Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, Ocean Hills. <laughs> Welcome. Come on in. Find a spot in the shade if you can. <laughs> yeah, this is not a 10:15 service. We are really going to start to try to start start at 10. <laughs> but you're here, and thank you. Would you stand with us? We want to fill this place with praise this morning. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and fall in this place to cover all of us, to fill all of us. That is our prayer. I hope you got a lyric sheet or the words are on your app. You can also find them there. We'd love for you to sing along with us. We're here to do this together. All right, let's let's sing it. Receive the free. 
just lift our praise together as one people, one voice. In Psalm 150, verse 6, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I'm pretty sure all of us in here have breath, right? Breath is that true measure of life and the whole, I think, the Holy Spirit in us. It's even like our very, the very breath we breathe is His movement in us. And the band, as we were uh, chatting and praying and kind of um, unpacking this song on Wednesday, it hit me that we also can't speak without breath, right? And I think in this current day and age that we're living in, where there's lots of opinions and there's lots of discourse, and sometimes it feels hard to even be in a relationship sometimes, that maybe as we sing this song, we can ask God to even imbibe our every word with his breath. Like if we can't say the words that we want to say in, in um, tandem with his breath, maybe that's something we shouldn't say, <laughs> right? So let's invite his breath into our being, into our lungs, into our thoughts, into our opinions, into everything that we say this morning. Allow him to sit on the throne. You give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is
this place, declare this, all the earth. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Beers. Hey, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that happens when we get together as a church, as a gathering, is to remember who God is. Amen? To remember, to remind ourselves. And so that's what we're going to do uh, in this moment here as a people who are gathered to seek God today, to remember that our God is bigger and better than we think. Today, I'm reminded of these words from Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Amen. 
That's our psalm for today, church. Uh, kids, K through eight, we're gonna dismiss you to your classes at this time. And as you guys go, you can, you can walk out. I'm gonna pray for you, actually, as you go to O Kids and have fun with your leaders today. If the adults here would join me in a prayer for the kids, we're gonna do that together. Father God, we think of these, your children who are <laughs> headed out and screaming as they see their leaders. We thank you, God, for your spirit that you have put inside them. Thank you that they teach us so much about your heart, God. And we pray that you would bless their leaders to teach them your way today in their classrooms, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. And adults, stay standing. We've got a little more worship, um, so keep leaning in. Uh, and, and yeah, let's stay in a posture of worship together. Thank you. When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I want when brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance.
You can grab a seat. Natalie and I have, uh, oops, I'm supposed to stand behind the speakers. Sorry about that. I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to move up so bad. Um, Natalie and I uh, enjoy a little devotional in the mornings. It's called Lectio 365. You can get it on an app. It's free. It's great. It's often led by British accented people. They just sound more spiritual somehow. I don't know why. I feel closer to God when I'm listening to someone from the UK pray. But um, this morning there was a quote and I thought I would uh, use this quote to then lead us into this practice. Eugene Peterson describes Sabbath as a time to receive silence and let it deepen into gratitude. And so on this day of rest, I settle into silence and allow thankfulness to bubble up inside. Allow thankfulness to bubble up inside. Maybe right here in real time, if you'd close your eyes and receive the gift of silence, settling into the silence and allow thankfulness and gratitude to bubble up inside. And we'll just have just a minute of silence, but just you and God quietly, just allow that thankfulness, whatever it is today that you're thankful for, to bubble up and let God know that in the quietness of your heart. And now take your hands and open your palms. In this posture of receiving, let me pray over us. Kind Father, we in this moment receive what you have for us. Your love, your unfailing love, your amazing love, your forgiving love, your steadfast love, your love that never runs out, your love that never gives up on us, we receive it in this moment. And we receive the truth of your word. We open ourselves, our hearts, our minds, that somehow right now, and we embrace the mystery that 
the word of God, the timeless truth that's our roadmap for life, that points us to Jesus, that right here, right now in real time, that we would find nourishment for our famished souls. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel like I am obligated to say congratulations to the Dodger fans this morning. What will forever go down as the check swing series. Um, but I, I was thinking about if, whether you're a sports fan or not, I, I just use this as a metaphor. Um, Matt Scherzer, who is, you know, the Dodgers probably best pitcher right now in real time, came in at the end of the game and closed it out for, for the Dodgers over the Giants this week. But, you know, I want you to think about Matt Scherzer. He didn't just kind of show up on the mound the other night and just throw his favorite pitches and hope it would all go well. In Matt Scherzer's mind, he had to face the opposition. Might even say he was facing the enemy. The San Francisco Giants are the, the adversary, the arch enemy of the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? That's, uh, this, is, this is true. And Scherzer's going to go into the game to close it out. He doesn't just show up, but I can guarantee you that Matt Scherzer, and I heard an announcer even say this, he studied film. He knew the tactics of the hitters that he would face. He knew how certain batters would approach when they had two strikes on them. Or do they take the first pitch or is there a tendency to swing at the first pitch? Do they swing at high balls, low balls, inside, outside? He knew each batter that came up. He didn't just kind of hope. He actually had a strategy with this person, with this batter. We pitch him inside. We pitch him low and away. We, right, we want him to chase this, this sinker ball or this fastball high and inside. There was an intention. Matt Scherzer knew he was facing an enemy and I have a strategy to take my enemy down, to strike them out, to put them out. Today, we are looking at Nehemiah. If you're, if you're new with us, we're actually in the book of Nehemiah. And we have seen over and over again that uh, enemies, opposition, adversaries show up in Nehemiah's life. And in fact, I'm going to read for you what I wrote in my introduction. One thing that clearly emerges from the book of Nehemiah is that life is a battle from beginning to end. And Nehemiah ran into opposition and he faced enemies the moment he set his heart to obey God's command to rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. He faced difficulty before he even got to the city. And then after he reached Jerusalem, enemies continually came up against him. And now in Nehemiah chapter 6, after the wall has been completed, you'd think the enemy is gone. But no. This enemy is relentless. The battle continues. Life is a war. And 
following this series of threats and attacks against him, I think what we discover in Nehemiah is this enemy is willing to do whatever it takes to bring Nehemiah, to bring the work of God down. To use the baseball metaphor, he's trying to strike Nehemiah out, to get him out, to win the war. And so today there are some of you that actually have physical enemies at work, maybe family members, physical, literal enemies. But one thing I can guarantee you, the truth of God's word teaches us and the words of Jesus, the truth of Jesus teaches us that there is a spiritual enemy that every one of us has. Every one of us. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, the Bible teaches us that we have an enemy, an adversary, the accuser. Now, are you ready for this? I'm going to whisper it. The devil. The devil. Wait, he didn't just say that. You guys believe in the devil here? Right? We're 2021, Santa Barbara, Montecito, Goleta, Carpinteria. You're more sophisticated than that. You guys, you believe in the boogeyman? Right today in our culture, it's like if you believe in the devil, you believe in the boogeyman or, I don't know how many kids are here, Santa or, right? It's like equivalent to that, right? Spoiler alert there, kids, sorry. <laughs> I want to just recommend a book. It's called The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It would be considered a classic. It would be considered a must read. Uh, makes me think of all honor. Uh, some of you remember uh, Walter Hansen, a New Testament professor at Fuller Seminary, helped us start this church. And today is Walter's 75th birthday. And Walter asked me a question that uh, we used to meet, he's now, since he's moved out of town now, but I remember I told him, I try and read 20 to 25 books a year. And he said to me, how many of those are rereads? I was like, what? He goes, how many books do you reread a year? Like, it's a classic, it's so good. He goes, I, he said, I believe there are some books that are worth rereading every year like they've transformed your life they've shaped you they've formed you and I was like I don't reread anything I'm like one done okay next give me next but since that comment maybe 10 years ago there are some books that are worth rereading here's one of them screw tape letters screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis I want to read just a quote right in the preface of this book and, and, and what C.S. Lewis is doing is he's kind of giving us a warning when we talk about the enemy, when we talk about the adversary, when we talk about evil, the devil. He says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which we, our race, can fall about the devil. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Are you hearing what he's saying? There's two, there, there's two extremes. Oh, pff, that's the boogeyman, the devil. I don't believe in that. Or, or I'm obsessed with it. Do you guys remember the book, 
uh, as my little dog Munchie at church here distracting me. <laughs> but this would be a great way. Do you guys remember the book, uh, This Present Darkness? It was a book written, I want to say maybe in the early 90s, but, but the premise of the book in a way was the devil is everywhere. Oh my gosh, I, I put some toast in this morning and, and it burnt my toast. That was the devil. <laughs> I'm preaching a sermon and my dog's here. Distract. That's the devil. Everything's the devil. Everything's evil. Everything. And that's one extreme that, that we as followers of Jesus, we're, we, we can go there or we can go over here and go, the devil, come on. You expect me to. First Peter chapter five says this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone that someone would be you to devour let me just paraphrase. He's seeking to destroy what God is trying to rebuild in your life. He's seeking to destroy, to sabotage your spiritual growth. Some of you are trying to rebuild your family, your reputation. You're trying to rebuild your spiritual life. First Peter says he's looking for someone to devour. Verse 9 says, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Be strong in your faith. Paul in Ephesians 6 says, our struggle here on earth, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but spiritual powers. What's he saying? He's saying there are powers at work, invisible spiritual powers powers seeking to steal, kill, and destroy what God is trying to do in your life, in your family, in this church, in our community. Well, I uh, just, again, soaking and simmering, and it's been really fun to just stay in a book of the Bible, Nehemiah. This week, allowing Nehemiah to mentor me and now allowing Nehemiah to mentor us. Here's four little quick reflections from Nehemiah on the tactics that our enemy will use to destroy us. Are you with me? Here we go. Number one is, and this, you go, what? Here, here, here's the enemy will use this to destroy your spiritual life. Success. Say what? Yeah, success. Look at Nehemiah chapter six, verses one and two. Here's my question. When did Nehemiah's enemies come back? When did Nehemiah's enemies come back into his life to seek to sabotage him? Verse one says, when they found out the wall was completely rebuilt. Nehemiah six, when the enemy found out that the wall, that's what we've been about for six chapters, rebuilding. the. Now it's done. It's complete. We should be doing a worship service. Praise God. This is awesome. We read Nehemiah chapter six, verse one. It says, when they found out, the enemy found out the wall was completely rebuilt, they show up again. Why? 
Think about that. Why then? Why now? I mean, the wall's been built. Is it true for you as it is for me that we're most vulnerable to attack when we are intoxicated with success? Business is going so good. Dude, I just landed the biggest deal of my life. I just got a windfall of dough. Start thinking, huh, I'm pretty good. It's when Nehemiah would least expect it. It's when Nehemiah would probably have his guard down. I have found that success leads to comfort. And when we get too comfortable, it leads to carelessness. We let our guard down. We start thinking that we're strong. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, if you're taking notes, says this. If you think you're standing strong, be careful. Be careful not to fall. If you think you're standing strong. I'm speaking to somebody right now. Be careful not to fall. So where are you experience, experiencing success in your life right now? Where are you thinking you are kind of a big deal? Our uh, staff has been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, that podcast series on church up in Seattle, pastor, mega church, what, 10,000 people started by Mark Driscoll. And uh, there, there's one of the episodes and it talks about the rise of the church and the fall of the church. And the fall of the church happened in the life of the leader. And uh, the enemy got, I think, the best of him because of his success, which led to pride, which led to arrogance. And he was traveling and speaking all over doing conferences. And I think they were over in Europe and he had a team with them and they got into this. I don't know if it was a limousine, but it was a it was a travel car. Maybe it was a taxi. And there were people knocking on the window after this conference and they wanted his autograph. And his staff, they kind of laughed and go, look, if people want your autograph. And his response was, you may not know this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Did you know I'm kind of a big deal, Jimmy? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now, just think of how subtly that can sneak into us. We start taking credit for the business deal. My business is going so, yeah. I'm, did you know I'm kind of a, a big deal? I kind of know what my competitors don't know. I'm kind of smarter than everybody else. That's why I live where I live. I'm able to do what I, and travel where I travel and dot, 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 dot. We start to believe, and the devil uses this success in our life. Proverbs 16, 18. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases it. First, pride. Then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. The first tactic that we learn from Nehemiah is success and pride. That is a tactic. The enemy will come at you around you, into your life to sabotage what God is trying to rebuild. Number two, again found in verses one and two, are persistent lies. That's another tactic of the enemy, lies that are persistent, just battering you with lies. Verse 
It says here, they sent this message four times. Not once, not twice, not four, and then a fifth time. They wanted Nehemiah to come down. They were persistent in this deceitful message. Their desire was to kidnap Nehemiah. So they kept sending this lie, this deceitful message to get him to come and have this meeting. And every time he said no, every time, no, 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 no. You know, the devil never gives up. The devil will try and wear us down. The adversary, the enemy will wear us down. You think you're standing strong. I, I, I stood up against that temptation once. You think he's going to quit? No, 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 no. That opposition just comes at us. We are in a war, a spiritual battle, according to Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus said this about the devil. And I love what Walt Hansen told me. He said, the reason I believe the scriptures are from God and authoritative is because Jesus believed they're from God and authoritative. That's why I believe. And here's what Jesus said. He said that the devil was a murderer, meaning he takes, he destroys, he kills life. He was a murderer from the beginning, not, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, listen to this, underline this in your Bible. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. I don't know where you're at spiritually this morning, but from the words of Jesus, he's saying evil is real. We have an enemy, an adversary. We have somebody in opposition to what God wants to do in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your career, whatever it is that God's trying to build and grow the mission of God in this church. There's an enemy, there's opposition, and he is deceptive. He's a liar, but he's real. He's not the boogeyman. He's seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. I know many of you are big fans of John Mark Comer. He's written a brand new book. I just got it and I'm reading it. It's called Live No Lies. And uh, I'm going to read a quote from that he talks about the devil's strategy. Uh, uh, there's the devil again. <laughs> he talks about the whole purpose of the evil one's work is to lie to us, to get us to pull away from God. But here's what he says. He says, it's kind of low-hanging fruit to point out the lies of ideology that play in the culture wars. Most of the lies we face don't make news headlines or end up in Twitter debates. And then he says this, and he gives examples. Here are the lies. It's the grown man who was berated by his father and comes to believe I'm only as good as I am successful at work. It's the teenage girl who comparing herself to the mirage of Instagram comes to believe I'm ugly and unworthy of love. It's the entrepreneur whose prior business failed after the betrayal of his partner and who now believes everything I do will fail. It's the middle-aged woman who was raised by an angry, perfectionist mother and decades later still believes, I have to be perfect to have peace. 
And then he goes on to say, there is not a soul I know who is not living in at some level bondage to lies. Bondage to lies. Lies that come in the form of deceptive ideas are the devil's primary method of enslaving human beings. And I recommend this book, Living No Lies, John Mark Comer. But let me just add a few more. I talked to some staff this week, and here's some others, other lies that we believe. You, what are you kidding me? You're a fraud. You, you are a fake Christian. You're not really a Christian. If people really knew, you'll never break free from that addiction, from that habit. Oh, here's a good one. Your net worth is the most important thing about you. Your beauty, your body is the most important thing about you. How about this one? You will never be complete unless you get married. Lies, cultural lies. Lies in church that we sometimes begin to feel being part of a community. But giving the devil a foothold. See, Scripture says don't give the devil a foothold. Here's number three. So we got one, success and pride. Two, persistent lies. Three, I see it in verses five through nine. It's discouragement again and again and again. These, the enemy, the opposition coming against Nehemiah. And then you read in verses five through nine that, okay, hey, he, they send, Sanballat sends this unsealed letter. He sends this unsealed letter and he intentionally leaves it unsealed so that everyone who handled it, it's going to the king. It's going to the king and he leaves it unsealed so that everyone who handles the letter could read it. And his goal was to spread false rumors about Nehemiah, false accusations. And what were those false accusations? Watch out, Nehemiah. He's making a power move. Whisper, whisper. He's positioning himself to be king. If you read this letter, you're going to be whispering. Did you hear? Nehemiah. He's making a power move. He's, he, again, sabotage, undermining that would just lead to such discouragement. And I love how Nehemiah frames it in verse 9. He says this. He summarizes their tactics. He says, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us. That's in the text. Imagining that they could, discouragement is powerful. And the evil one will use discouragement. You start beating yourself up. You start believing the lies. You start living kind of paranoid about what other people are whispering. And you get discouraged. Some of you have heard this story before, but uh, some of us here, we have a friend who's a pastor up in Sacramento, Ray Johnson. He's pastors a big mega 10 15,000 member church a few years ago he was interviewed by his daughter who was at a Christian college and she was in a leadership class and the question that she 
she, the assignment was go interview a leader that you look up to and respect and ask them these questions. Well, one of the questions was, what is the most important part of your job as a leader, as a pastor? What's the most important thing you do? Now, when Ray was telling me this story, my mind just was filling in the blank, right? Well, it's, he's, he's preaching to all these people every week. He's going to the hospital and visiting people who are sick or ill. He's leading a, a, a big staff, trying to equip and empower them. He's got his board, his leader. He's raising money, he, right? All of these things. I mean, I'm thinking, and what he said, I never would have guessed. He said, the most important part of what I do, the most important part of my job is to, two words, Stay encouraged. Why would he say that? Stay encouraged. What? Preaching the gospel, dude, saving the life. Stay encouraged. Why? Because when a leader gets down, when a leader starts beating themselves up, believing the lies, overwhelmed by the circumstances that then lead to discouragement. Everybody around them picks up on that. It brings everybody else down, staying encouraged. That's a word for you and me today. The adversary is using discouragement to sabotage and destroy the work of God in you and through you, through discouragement. I wonder who's ready to give up today. So discouraged. Maybe ready to quit college already. It's only October and you're like, I can't do this. I can't afford this. These student loans are crushing me. Are you kidding me? I'm ready, you know, you're discouraged by debt, by finances, discouraged in a marriage that feels Mediocre, half-hearted, lukewarm, cold, discouraged by your career. Somebody got promoted instead of you, over you, just like to your boss. I won't use the finger, but we're on film today. But you know what I mean? Overwhelmed with discouragement. Look at verse 9, the second half of verse 9. I love Nehemiah's response to this discouragement, to the lies. He says, so I continued the work, underline this, with even greater determination. I continued the work with even, I'm not quitting, I'm not giving up. I'm not, I'm, I might be demoralized or discouraged right now, but I'm not quitting. I continued the work with even greater determination. Wow, what a great antidote to discouragement. Don't give up. Go all in even more. Go the other way. And then here's the last reflection, verses 9 through 13. It's fear. The enemy will use fear to cause you to retreat, to back off of the work that God wants to do. The growth, the hard work. They're rebuilding the wall. That's hard work. And you know what? The enemy will use fear to discourage you, to get you off track, to distract you, and to cause you to retreat from doing the hard work that, that God wants you to do, to rebuild your life, to trust him. 
Verse 10 says that there was this false prophet who tells Nehemiah, your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. What? Think about if somebody came to you and said that. You're like, whoa. And I just believe that our enemy, the devil, will use fear to keep us from becoming that person that God dreams for us to become. That man, that woman, that best version of ourselves, and doing the work that God is calling you to do. It's not just becoming the person. It's not just about me. It's about the mission of God. The work that God wants done. So what, what, just pause right now. What's the fear that's, that's maybe sabotaging the spiritual growth that God has for you? What's the fear that's paralyzing you, that's creeping in so much, that's causing you to retreat, that's not show up, not... Be your best self. What's the fear? I, I, again, I talked to some staff people. Fear of what others will think. Fear of missing out. I'm not going to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. I, I'm going to miss out if I do that. Fear I don't have what it takes. Fear of falling behind. Fear of God letting me down again. Fear of being lumped in with those crazy Christians or creepy Christians. I don't want to be part of that group. Nehemiah mentors us today. He refuses to allow the enemy to kind of scare him away with fear. And I just believe as I read scripture that the enemy thinks he can get me, get you to back down from the hard work of rebuilding your life. If he brings enough lies or success or discouragement or fear, those, four, those are the tactics. Now just go back to the baseball metaphor. You're up there. You're looking for a curveball because you can hit the curveball. You think the, de the devil's going to throw you, you know, just a big fat curveball? No way. He studies you. He knows you just like the Dodger pitchers study. The so we have to be on guard. And that's why Paul says this in Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, not your own, in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor. Why? So that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies or tactics of the devil. So I'm going to stop there. I think the good news of this passage is found in verse 16. Go all the way down to the, towards the end. We're reminded that Nehemiah knew this and his enemies would discover this. Here's what it says in scripture. They realize that all this work had been done with the help of God. All of this rebuilding work had, had been done with the help of God. Do you realize that? That, that? that the work going on in your life, God's for you, he's with you, he's helping you. You might not be able to see it or feel it, but he's with you. He's providing relationships, networks, encouragement, He's protecting you. He's helping you. That's good news. I hope that fills you with hope. God hasn't given up on you, David Peterson. I'm glad you're at church today, bro. Yeah. 
they realized, everyone realized this work could not be done. I wonder if that's true of you. Do people look at your life and go, wow, what's going on in him? That couldn't happen without the help of God. That transformation in her life, there's no way. I've known her forever. God's doing a work of rebuilding. That couldn't have happened without the help of God. Around you, in you. I want that to be true of me. That I'm a different person in a year, in five years, in 10 years, because God is helping me become who he wants me to become. Let's pray. Close your eyes. We're not going to go into chapter seven. Spoiler alert. We're not going to do chapter seven next week either. It's a it's a chapter full of lists. And it's the list of God's people returning from exile. But there's two verses in there that people look for their name on the list and it's not to be found. There's a metaphor for all of us. Is, is my name going to be on the list that I get to return to the promised land, the family of God? Is your name on that list in the book of life? I don't want to discover that my name is not on the list, just kind of assuming, oh, I'm American. I was born in a Christian family. My name's on that list somewhere. How oh, is it? First John chapter five, verse 11 and 12. I memorized this as a brand new Christian when I was in high school. God, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. The person who has the son has life. The person who does not have the son does not have life. And so right here, right now, Let's just put our hand on our heart and let's reaffirm. We want to have our name on that list in the book of life. Lord, your scripture, your truth is clear that to get on that list, we, we must have a relationship with the son. We must trust Jesus to forgive us. We have to have that desire that our, that, that our life, we could be far from God today, but our life is pointed towards God. And today we want to say, yes, I want to follow Christ again. I want to continue to follow Christ or maybe for the first time. Today I want to just make sure that assurance, I want to make sure we're all going to die when I die that my name is on that list to enter into the heavenly promised land. And so, God, receive my heart, take my heart, and make it yours today. Cleanse it and fill it now, right here with the Holy Spirit, afresh and anew. And then begin that work, that work of renewal, making me a new person, more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Sorry I went long. Why don't we stand together as we sing? You go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. You come back with a head of my enemy. You come back and you call it 
victory
with me. God, that's our story. Each of us, that's our story. And as a people, that's our story. That when there was nothing we could do, that when we thought we were lost, when we were in pieces, you found us, God. You put our lives back together. We believe you're putting this church back together too, God in this moment. And for those of us who are fighting our own battle right now, waging war and feeling God like we are helpless, I pray for those individuals and I pray and ask for your spirit that God, as they stand still, you would fight on their behalf. We let go of the things we're trying to hold onto that aren't ours to hold, God. We entrust them to your hands. We give these to you, and would you fight for us, God? You are our defender. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, as we end here, uh, I 
love this message that we have a real enemy. I mean, I don't love that we have a real enemy, but it's good to remember. It's a good reminder. And as I was thinking while you were preaching, John, we tend to think of the enemy as a constant attack and therefore we're constantly defending ourselves. We don't talk much about our offense against the enemy. We do have offense, amen? We have ways of fighting back against the enemy. We do that with prayer. We also do that with mercy and with justice. For those who haven't met me, I'm DJ, and one of the roles I serve here at at Ocean Hills is uh, Director of Compassion, Mercy, and Justice. Um, And I wanna tell you about an opportunity to fight back, to go on the offensive against the enemy that we have coming up in next spring of 2022. We're already talking about it now. Uh, For those who don't know, we partner with a few people in town uh, like SB Act and uh, like the, the rescue mission and PATH, a few shelters in town that work to get people housed in Santa Barbara, those who don't have homes. And so we do those ministries locally, but we also have an opportunity to do that ministry globally. In the spring of 2022, we're going across the border. We did this a couple years ago. And we're going to actually build shelter for somebody, for a family across the border so that they can have permanence, so that they can establish residence there and begin working for a job. This is called a housing first model. The idea is to get them a house, and after they have a house, they can start to work to improve the rest of their family's life. So that's the nature of the work we're doing. I wanted to invite my friend Monica up today, though. Let's give Monica a hand real quick. Monica and her family joined us the last time we did this, and I wanted her to just share a little bit about how this impacted them the last time we did this trip. Hi, Ocean Hills. I'm Monica Wilson. I uh, have three kids. Uh, Alex, Estella, and Jacqueline. Right now, Alex is a freshman at Cal Poly, and Estella is a sophomore at San Marcos, and Jacqueline is a sixth grader at Providence, and of course, my wonderful husband, Brett. Um, I've been asked to give my story, but sometimes I wonder if it's really Alex's story. So um, with that, I wanted to give a shout out to our youth group. I'm just a mom who uh, is trying to keep my eyes and ears open to where the Lord wants to take me and how to expose my kids to those things and how to serve and how to live a better life and have more peace, right? But uh, without our youth group leaders, constantly making those relationships with our kids, inspiring them. Uh, it's it's a kind of a losing battle if it's just you as a parent. So uh, amazing, amazing youth group program here. So uh, Alex came home one day super, super excited about, he's, he's a laborer, so he was going to go build this house. And he was uh, really excited about doing that. And um, he was a sophomore at the time, 15 years old. So firstborn child, you know, have to take care of him. So we went to the big meeting of, of uh, what does this all entail in Mexico, and I had my little girls with me, and next thing I know, Lila was speaking how uh, she was bringing her kids, because she had to bring her kids. <laughs> so we had this uh, all of a sudden opened up a door to, it could be a family program. It could actually involve all of us. Poor Alex, he was not excited about that option. 
He was like, I was going with my dudes. I was going to flex. I had no family. What is going on here? And uh, not only that, but Brett's parents uh, were new to the church at the time, and they were kind of hanging out and waiting. Why are we, why are you in a meeting? And then they found out about it, and they were like, we're going too. So, uh, <laughs> so this 15-year-old boy all of a sudden even had grandma and grandpa coming along. Uh, and uh, John, thanks for your message today, because it's true. Every left and right, the enemy is trying to strategize on how to take away this awesome opportunity for a kid. Um, my husband's an ER doctor. He has more than his share of traumas and uh, what bad things can happen. And probably during that time, the front page of the paper was constantly how many deaths were happening in Mexico due to drug cartel. So when I came home to sell this to Brett, he was like, yeah, no. <laughs> this is not, not going to happen. Um, but we prayed about it, and Brett's dad even wrote directly to Amor, and Amor's just an amazing organization. It's super safe. We could try to just hear the, the noise about doubt and fear, but there was nothing to be fearful of. It's, it was the most amazing camp, and uh, you just felt really safe being there. So uh, we were, luckily we didn't hear all of that doubt and fear, and, and we went for it. Um, it gave us an opportunity to really uh, get to know more of Ocean Hills families, which is just continuous, continuously just keeps helping us uh, live better, right? Um, it's hard when you just start out and trying to make connections, and it, it was just a beautiful experience for us. Um, another setback was, unfortunately, Estella had the flu the week before we left, and she was really getting better, and then she just... So she, unfortunately, wasn't able to join us, but I will say that one of the biggest things that... Uh, well, a couple, but that... It impacted our lives was now I get to have conversations with Jackie that um, wow what how thankful we are when problems come up in our lives that we we have to deal with and talk about that aren't food oh, we don't need to worry about food you know we, we get actually choose what restaurant we want to eat at not not what we're eating that we don't have to talk about do we have a house shelter over our heads you know, clothing, water. These things, because she got to experience that trip and walk alongside people, love people, she gets to see, wow, I'm, the things I'm dealing with are, are nothing like what our neighbors deal with. Back to Alex, though. It was really an uh, incredible full turnaround that he wrote a lot in his college uh, essays. Is uh, We were building a house for um, a lovely couple, but I, I'm 5'2 on a good day. And she was the mom was probably a little shorter. And when you build a house, there's just typical, uh, just standard construction where the walls are going to go, where the door is, where the windows are. And uh, because Alex spoke Spanish, she, the, the mom was able to communicate, um, I can't see out of the window. And so that actually sparked 
something in Alex, that, that's a design flaw. Like, we could do something about that. And uh, luckily we had Matt with us, and he was able to readjust things, but lower the window so that they could actually see out the window. But that, that actually started a whole love for architecture for Alex, and that's what he's studying now. So, came full circle. Thank you, Monica. And let's give it one more up for Monica one more time. So as we close here, uh, you might be wondering if you're feeling nudged, uh, how do I do this? Or even, is this feasible for my family? Just stick around. We're going to go through a, literally like a 10-minute meeting right after this. And all you have to do is stay where you're seated. We're going to do a more info session. Stick around in the quad here. And then for the rest of y'all, a couple announcements. If you are newer to our church and haven't yet gotten connected with our staff and with the life of the church, we have these connect slips that you can fill out yourself on your way out. They're on the black stand-up tables there. And secondly, we always love to remind you and to say thank you for giving to this. This happens because of us, the church, the people. And so thank you for your faithful giving. We have, uh, we can be joyful about this. The joy box has returned today. Yeah, joy box. And the joy box is on your way out. It looks different than it ever has before. Sleek design looking really good today. You can even take a picture of it. It's got a QR code. That's how fancy we are these days. So look out for that. Um, Guys, we like to say, God is good. All the time. And then I like to say, he's better than you think. So go find out. God bless you this week. Thank you, guys. Enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. 
Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.